What is going on guys? Welcome to episode number five. I'm Rio Santana. In a couple minutes will be JC Santana, my father. Um, what a weekend. We had Thanksgiving weekend. We had football. I call it the four F's. We had football, fall, food, and family for Thanksgiving. It was an awesome, awesome, awesome weekend. Uh, yes, my Steelers got the dub and we also put 400 yards on offense. Way to go. We got a new offensive coordinator. Well, he's been in-house, but now he is the new official offensive coordinator. So we look pretty damn good. Uh, some mistakes were made. You know, Kenny still has some growing to do. But man, the running game's there. The passing's there. You guys know we have the talent. We have talent. Young and some vets, especially on defense, okay? Um, we just got to put it all together. And I think right now is the right time. And we're getting to the end of a regular season. You know, a little bit more half halfway through. Uh, and like they always say, you got to be playing your true, true, true ball when it comes in November, December, and January. So I think we can make a rush in the wild card. We do have some tough games coming up. Next week, we do have Arizona and the last game of the year, which I'm already looking past a couple of them, Baltimore Ravens. Okay, usually we go one and for one, okay, or one and one, one win, one loss in the in the regular season. But we already got our win over them. I was actually at the game with my boys. Beautiful freaking weather. Had an awesome time. One in the last two minutes. Hopefully we can repeat the same in Baltimore. <laughs> it's always going to be a dogfight when it comes to the... I think personally that's one of the best rivals in sports. Ravens versus Steelers. Who doesn't love watching that dirty ass just game go after it? Um, what a weekend for PFL and MMA. I think they labeled it the richest night in MMA history. Six fights, six million dollars were handed out to all the winners. Okay, and big shout out to Impa. He trains locally here over at Kill Cliff. What a story that guy has. He did an amazing job. One, okay, yes, against our boy Josh, Conan's son of American Top Team. But man, Impa, you gotta be a fan of stuff like that. His story, his demeanor, uh, his beliefs, and how he holds himself uh, is, is picture perfect. So big shout out, man. Uh, congratulations. Hold that belt type because they're going to be coming and they're going to be coming strong. Okay, who else did we have? Um, we also had, oh, the Canadian, Oliver. Okay, he fought our boy Gilbert. And that's probably the only time I ever rooted against him. Okay, <laughs> but uh, but he won as well too. Big shout out to him. I think it's his second time winning. So two mil. Okay, that's not, that's not bad. Uh, one of those guys that believes in the whole not sparring every single week too hard. I don't even know if he spars at all for fights anymore, but uh, be looked that up. Him and Max Holly are one of the big, big, big name guys that are coming out this year and last year saying, hey, I'm saving my chickens. I'm saving my, my number one uh, muscle, my brain, and not taking the blows that sparring delivers to you, okay? JC will be going more on that, and he'll be able to give you his belief system on that. Uh, yes, Steelers won. We got Arizona next week. Uh, going to the Panthers game this upcoming weekend. Excited for that as well. And uh, just always excited to have you guys on board. So you know what? Let's not waste any more time. Let's get into episode number five. Let's go. How's everybody doing? This is JC Santana coming to you from the Institute of Human Performance, bringing you the Santana podcast. With my boy, Rio Santana, I can't tell you what a pleasure it is to actually work with my son. But anyways, we're happy you're here, and we're happy to bring this to you. So, we just got through Thanksgiving, and like I said last podcast, you know, it's the time, you should be thankful every day, because 
Gratitude is something, it's almost like a form of prayer. And you should, that, you should do that daily. When you're challenged and when you catch yourself a little bitching, okay, uh, being a little bitch, you should check yourself and say, what am I bitching about? Oh, a flat tire. Oh, um, I don't know. Uh, we didn't have a the, the day we should have. Oh, somebody backcharged something. Oh, a customer wasn't happy. Oh, you know, some bullshit. Man, let me tell you, we're alive. We're alive and healthy enough to fight one more round. For the for like for for me, I have a 90-year-old mom. I had my dad till he was 91. They were 72 years together. My mom is still with me. So Thanksgiving, we we were able to get her in the car very easy, drive three hours, and we spent the entire family, spent it together during Thanksgiving. I came back Friday. Mom stayed over there with my sister, my her, her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, and they went to um, Disney World at an ice show with sculptures and shit, things my mother has never seen at 90 years of age, you know? I came back here to work, chill, and uh, hang with my, my children, Next year, I'll probably stay down here because now all of my four children, I think, will be down here. And if all four of my children are down here, I stay with my children because, you know, I'm a father. Um, I, I take that. I'm a father number one, probably, you know, um, before when you're a father, when you're a parent, it gets to the point where almost you're a parent first. And then you're a son, a, a brother, a husband, a, a wife, whatever. You're a parent first. For, for good parents that take care of their children and that take parenting seriously, they take that responsibility seriously, uh, it's, it's, it's a burden, man. It's a burden, not a bad burden. It's a, it's a load. When I say burden, I don't mean negative. I mean, it's a load, you know. Um, it's a challenge, especially today, especially with the youth of today, especially with social media and all the bullshit that that society is teaching your, kill, your, your children in order to maintain them kind of within bumpers, that's work. So I've spent it with my mom uh, ever since, you know, an eternity. And uh, now next year, if my children are here, I'm going to ask, actually, I'm going to try to convince mom to stay down here and ask everybody from Orlando to come down here. All right. So anywho, that's what I did for Thanksgiving. Spent it with the family. Beautiful day in Florida. We drove to Orlando, spent a beautiful day there with my niece and my great nieces and all that. And uh, I couldn't ask for, for, you know, a better Thanksgiving. Everybody's alive. Everybody's healthy. And you're free to, to fight another day, you know. So uh, thank you for everything that I've been given for that Thanksgiving. And now, boom, one more year to the next one. And we're going to make it the best year possible. Now. What are we going to cover today? Well, we're going to cover a little bit of fighting. You know, nothing big on the UFC since we didn't have a UFC this weekend, but we had a PFL. We're going to cover that a little bit because there's some interesting things going on at PFL. The same thing that happened with golf, you know, with the Live Tour and um, the uh, the uh, uh, Pro uh, Golfers Association P, uh, PGA. You know, it's 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 starting to happen in in um, in uh, MMA. The Saudis are coming. The Arabs are coming with money. They made a $100 million investment into PFL. PFL just acquired Bellator. Now what they're going to do is they're going to work independently. So Bellator will be Bellator. PFL will be PFL. But they will also cross-pollinate. Okay, This Bellator has more weight classes. PFL does not as much. But they were gonna, they're going to go PFL versus uh, Bellator. And they're also going to have their own Bellator champions and their own PFL champions. 
So that's going to be pretty interesting uh, because they're going to be able to cross-pollinate. Plus, they're promoting super fights. You know, Jake Paul and, and uh, some of these um, uh, social media uh, people, influencers, that can, you know, that can do half a million pay-per-views. It's not a million pay-per-views, not three quarters, but if they can do a quarter of a million to half a million uh, pay-per-views and they can get some people in the, in the gate as well, they can make some noise. And we already know they've made some noise because some of the MMA people that have gone to these super fights like Nate Diaz uh, and, and Tyrone Woodley and all those guys, shit, some of these guys are making more money getting knocked out in one fight with just with, with uh, Paul Logan and... and uh, and um, and Jake, that that you know, it's more money by getting knocked out in one fight than their entire MMA career at the UFC. Now, I'm not dogging UFC. UFC runs, you know, they're the 800-pound gorilla in, in in the room and uh, have excellent excellent production, excellent business, excellent fighters, and so on and so forth. But you know, it's it's no secret that the people coming up. In uh, UFC struggle, they come up, they, you know, they struggle everywhere. Because if you look at the people who are starting to box in professional boxing, they struggle. They're they're fighting for, they're also training for ten weeks, eight weeks, and fighting for five hundred bucks. Uh, no benefits. They break their hands, it's on them. Break their nose, it's on them. Uh, same thing with the lower class uh, MMA people. So I'm not dogging anybody. I'm just letting you know what's happening. With Saudi money, PFL can do a lot of things, and Saudis don't give a shit. They'll throw a hundred million, two hundred million at somebody like that. Bang, you know, uh, the merger of Bellator and, and PFL is exciting for a lot of fighters. Because if you look at the at the top five, you know, if you look at the top five in all of them, the top five in, in uh, PFL and um, and Bellator could easily be top five in UFC. And if not top, certainly top 10. So the top dogs across the different uh, organizations are starting to get more even and even and even, and, and we'll look at some of the wins. This uh, Friday, we had six champions, six million dollars go out, a million to each fighter. So five fight, six fighters became millionaires this weekend because it's not only a million for what you get for that fight for winning the championship, you got a little money coming up along. So most of these people had to go four for four for the year, and in, in most of it inside of six months. So they had a heavy schedule, they had to perform, and one of them is, uh, no, a couple are undefeated for two years, so they're coming back to back. So let's get into who won and how they won. All right, so let's see. Here's, here's something interesting, okay? Uh, Oliver uh, Mercier, the Canadian gangster. Oliver Aubin Mercier. Mercier. Uh, Gilbert uh, Burns beat him in the UFC and beat him, I think, was decisively. This guy goes 10 and 0, 10 and 0, two titles in PFL, $2 million in two years. Man, Mercier hasn't seen $2 million shit in three lifetimes in the UFC. So here he comes to PFL, a guy who was probably not barely top 10, if that, top 10. I don't even know if he broke top 10 in the UFC at one point, maybe, but I'm not sure. Bottom line is that guy that my guy beat when he wasn't ranked top 10, because Gilbert beat him, he wasn't ranked in the top 10, I believe. Uh, he was like 11 or 12, 13, something like that, and he beat uh, Mercier. Mercier went into PFL and just cleaned friggin' house. So did Mercier get better? Because it's possible that he changed his training, changed his outlook, didn't beat himself up, and had a good run. 
It could also be he had a good run with lesser quality opponents. That could be. So we don't know, but congratulations to Oliver, man. I, I always liked the kid. I always liked the kid. Uh, Judoka, Canadian gangster, two titles, $2 million over two years. God bless him. So, so yeah, Oliver beats Clay Collard with leg kicks and five takedowns to win a unanimous decision. So there you have it. Congrats to Mercier. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, Renan Ferreira beats Dennis Kolsov. Second round TKO with punches. Congratulations to Renan, man. Million dollars, baby. In the featherweight division, Larissa Pacheco, two-time champion in the NFL, in the PFL, first female to do so. Um, in the featherweight and lightweight division. So she has two different weight classes in the, in the PFL. But this one here was in the featherweight. Last year was in the lightweight. Uh, beat Marina. Uh, let's see if we can do this name. Uh, Mokatinabi. Mokatinabi. Unanimous decision. So congratulations to uh, La Larissa Pacheco for her two-time, two-champion, champion division wins, all right? Then uh, in the welterweight division, Magomed. Okay, here we go. Magomed Kiro Karivo Karimov. Magomed Karimov. Woo. Again, two-time the uh, defending champion beat Sadibu Sai with submission in the second round. You know them Russians. If you don't knock them the fuck out, they're they're ugh, they're anacondaing your ass. You know how it is. Take down, control the legs, work the body up, ground and pound you. And when you turn to get away from that shit, here comes the choke. In the light heavyweight division, here we go. Impa Kasanganai outstruck uh, Josh Silviera, who is Conan Silviera's son uh, from American Top Team, to win a unanimous decision. And Impa is a super story, man. Because he was a UFC. His, his claim to fame was on the receiving side of something from Cirque du Soleil spinning kick. So, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Rio, what's his name? Oh, Buckley. Buckley. So, he throw, Buckley throws a kick. Okay? Impa blocks it and holds it. Buckley jumps in midair with a base leg, with a ground base leg, jumps in midair and back kicks Impa into another planet. I mean, boom, done. So Impa, all right, leaves the UFC being a highlight reel knockout, okay, and getting it on the receiving end. Kind of embarrassing, kind of your end with UFC. Nobody wants the end with UFC to be like that. Holy shit. So he goes into um, PFL, and he wins the whole damn thing in the light heavyweight division. What a story. And that shows you, man, it is possible to come back from super challenges. I mean, challenges, how would you feel if you're, if you're the butt of all jokes in the UFC in your weight division? Oh, so-and-so, yeah, he got knocked out, knocked out right? That's, you're that guy. You're that guy. You know, where are you coming from after that? I mean, that is the lowest of the lows. And to come back, get cut by the UFC, go to PFL, start from the bottom, and end up, end up champion, millionaire. Oh, my God. That's, that's just a beautiful story. But anyways, um, congratulations to Impa. Sorry, Conan, about your boy. You know, he fought, uh, he fought a good, good year. He had a good year. So he'll come back next year. Silvera, Josh Silvera, good kid. Good dad, uh, ATT powerhouse team, 
Um, best of luck for, for next year, guys. All right, light, uh, light welter, uh, no, lightweight, lightweight division. Carla Harrison, two-time defending champ again, beat Aspen Ladd in the unanimous decision. She also got a million dollars. Congratulations to, uh, to uh, Kayla. And the last fight, so those were the six, okay, that got it. Kayla, Impa, uh, Magomed, Larissa, Renan, and Aubin, Oliver Aubin Messier. Those million, 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 million. Now, Derek Bronson came from the UFC, okay, and he beat the shit out of Ray Cooper to win a unanimous decision. I mean, this unanimous decision was like 30-25 on two cards. I mean, just beat the piss out of him in the middleweight, but it was a catchweight, all right? So it was, it was a cluster that was not a title fight. But uh, anyway, we always like to see our boy Derek Bronson win. So that's what happened at the PFL. Now... The next uh, segment, yeah, is brought to you by FHE, FHE, the premier mental health and drug addiction company and outfit in South Florida. If you or anybody you know is going through some challenges, man, mental health, PTSD, drugs, anything, you got to look up FHE. They are top flight. We're involved with them. They sponsor all of our athletes. I speak at their, um, at their location to the veterans um, every fr once, one Friday a month. Rio and I go down there with, uh, uh, with one of the fighters or we do a, a coach's uh, workout. Uh, we're going to go this Friday. So thank you, FHE, and everybody who needs them, who's struggling, go check them out. FHE here in South Florida. Don't miss it. Segment. Here it is. We got... We didn't know if to put this in the segment or put it in the questions and answer. Uh, you know, we listen. So it's going to go into the segment because it has a lot to do with everything. So we're going to go through, through it, you know, pretty heavy. Why am I so against sparring? Okay, the reason that they're sponsoring this segment is for the number one thing. Sparring, especially the way I've seen it. And I have witnessed it in just about every big, every big, big powerhouse team in Florida. I've been to them. I've seen them fight. I've seen them train. I've seen them coach. I've seen their environment. Okay. Nice people, nice coaches, nice everything. But, but I am so against the culture of just about all of these teams. Why? Because I've seen harder sparring sessions than I've seen in the, in the, uh, in the octagon. So it's insane to me. It's insane. So the number one reason that I am so against sparring is the damage that I've seen. I have witnessed these people take. I have witnessed them miss fights because of, of, cut, of cuts, contusions, uh, fractures, shit that should not be going on in training. Training is supposed to nurture the body. It's supposed to make you better. It's not supposed to injure you and cost you money. Think about this. If you're, if you're fighting, let's say out of the, I don't know, 20 rounds that you may do in a, an entire week worth of sparring, because you do five here, eight there, five there, and eight there, and, and, you know, maybe not all eight are hard, but let's say that five on each section is hard, you'll go 20 hard rounds, 15 hard rounds a week, pretty easy. Hard rounds, okay? H rounds that could definitely cause damage to joints or central nervous system. All right, so if you do that, 20 rounds a week, so we can do easy numbers. Per month is 80 rounds. 80 rounds, okay, divided by three is what? Okay, what is that, 20 some odd? 
Yeah, 20, uh, yeah, 20 some odd. So you're fighting 20 some odd times or 20 some odd three round fights per month. Say a two month camp, okay? Yeah, it's 26.7, okay? So let's say 25, 25 fights per month, 50 fights per camp, okay? So let's say you do a 10, a, a 10 week camp. So you're doing between, let's say, 26 and 50. So let's call it easy. Let's call it 40. Let's call it 30. 30, easy, easy. 30 fights for every fight that you have. You're going through 30 fights for every fight that you have in your training camps. And I'm being super conservative. When your record is 25 and 10, okay, your record is not 25 and 10. Your record is 25 times 30, okay, which is what, Rio? 25 and 30? Yeah, 750, right? Uh, let's see. 750. Your, your record is 750 and, uh, let's say, and 30. It's not, it's not 20 and 10, okay? It's 750 and 300. Imagine, that's what your brain, that's what your body's taking to get ready for one fight. So what happens, you know, to, to get ready for one fight. So what happens over a career where you're 20 and 10? You, you've been at it for a thousand fights, not rounds, a thousand fights. Do you think your body was meant for that? You think you're going to be fine? You think your, your, your brain waves and brain scans are going to look normal? No, man. No. Save your chicken. So number one, it's damage. Okay. Number two, Lack of specificity. This is what I love, okay? When you're sparring, you're really, they say you're working on technique, but I've seen these people, they're not working on technique. Why are they not working on technique? I'll tell you why they're not working on technique. Because when you're sparring, if I'm trying to, if I'm trying to practice live goes, say, take mount from the back and, and secure a rear naked, okay? And I go eight rounds at Kill Cliff, eight rounds at American Top Team, eight rounds at MMA Masters, eight rounds anywhere with the top guys. How many times will I be in a situation where the guy's on all fours and I can, boom, put in hooks and fight for the rear naked? How many times? Eight times? Nine times? Because you got killers. They're not going to let you do that shit. So how are you practicing, all right, those special situations in sparring? The answer is you're not. You're not. So instead of doing live goes, what's a live go? This is a live go. It's very technical. It's very specific. You take two people. You go, okay, um, John, you're going to be on all fours. Joe, you're going to get side mount kind of like from the side, you know, control, almost like in a wrestling uh, start position where you have them up against the cage. Your job, Joe, is to put in the first hook and then try to bring them off the cage so you can put in the second hook. And you over here, you're not going to let him do that. You're going to try to keep yourself against the cage. Okay? Got, you guys got 30 seconds. Ready? Go. And you see them go, boom, 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 boom. You stop at 30 seconds. Maybe you get, let them go a little 15 because the guy is getting there. Okay, stop. You did this well. You did this well. You did this. That gave it to him. Now, let's, next time, let's not give it to him that easy. All right, here we go again. How many times can you practice that live? Practice that situation. I can practice it 10, 20, 30 times with, and, and exhaust these people and learn something, okay? Those live goes 
don't require me to spar with you. Start from a standing, take shots to the head, a couple of shots, break, you know, boom, break posture, couple of shots, stuff to take down, a couple of shots, bang, 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 bang. I, I don't go through that. I don't have to go through that to get to what I'm trying to learn. So how am I going to practice specificity of training? How am I going to practice any one thing in sparring if I'm going up against great people that are not letting me? First, I got to have it. I got to have it. And I can practice with a short guy today, a long guy tomorrow, a guy who's more advanced the following day. And I can practice these lives. Say you got three, four, five techniques that you're working on. Okay, you can practice each one 20 times in the course of an hour, hour and a half. Great conditioning, great specificity of training, and you're learning shit, aggressive and organized. That's not happening. So what do they think? They think sparring teaches you that. Sparring teaches you nothing. Sparring teaches you nothing. I can do the movement that my eyes chunk. Why would you spar? Why would you spar? You spar to get timing. You spar to get you don't spar to, to, to get in shape. Sparring to get in shape is the most stupid shit you can do because it is the highest risk of getting in shape that getting in shape can get. I can get you in better shape here for fighting than actually sparring because I can put you against time. I can put you against um, uh, gravity. I can put you against reps. I can, I can control the shit and absolutely kill you. When you're sparring, you can dictate that. You can move around. You can get... You, you can slow it down if you want to. If I don't want you to slow it down, you will not slow down here. So I can get you in better shape safer here. So getting in shape and sparring is bullshit. So what is it? Timing? Okay, let's look at timing. Great, timing. What is timing? What is timing? Reaction. What is timing and reaction? Tell me. Most coaches don't know because MMA is not a sophisticated sport. You don't have engineers, doctors, and, and high-thinking people in that sport because there's no money in it. Those people with elevated brains and sequential thinking and deductive reasoning, those are in money-making ventures. So every once in a while, when you get somebody like me that doesn't belong in this field but loves it, okay, I was an engineer before, all right, and I should have done other things, okay, where my deductive reasoning could have been better used. I'm trying to use it in MMA, and I'm, I'm swimming uphill because... Very few people think the way I do. I'm not better than anybody. I just have a different brain. My brain is not in this field. My brain is very common in other fields. And people with better brains are in other fields. It's just that my brain is not here. So I'm able to look at special forces training. And, and since I'm an educator and I've been trained in that, okay, and I have them near a doctorate in that, I know how to educate. I know how to break down lesson plans. I know how to progress the learning. I know how to evaluate the, the learning. I know this because I've been going to school and my brain is for that. Great. So, so you don't, what you have when you're moving is not reaction and, and, and timing. What, is, what does that mean? Let me explain to you neuro, a little bit of, of uh, neurophysiology of the eye. The, the visual spectrum takes in um, millions of data points simultaneously. It's something that you can't practice. That's why the dots, bullshit. That's hard reaction time. That's not what athletes do. Everybody thinks we react. We don't react. We anticipate. Because believe it or not, especially eyesight is the slowest reaction that the body has. It takes so much time to look, bring it here, interpret what it is, and then bring it here, what to do, and then send it down to actually do it, that by the time you do it in sports, shit's over. 
So you cannot react usually. You usually anticipate. So how do you anticipate? You anticipate by bringing in all these data points of the shoulder loading. Oh, here, okay, if the shoulder loads this way, he cannot hit me with anything here. The attack has to come from this side. See what I'm saying? So I'm already, I'm already reading half a second before the shit's going to happen, and I'm responding to that. I'm moving. I'm looking at tempo. I'm looking at vertical displacement relative to the background. I'm looking to horizontal displacement relative to the background. I'm looking at how big you get or how small you get relative to the background to see distance going forward and, and backwards. All of this is data, okay? And not only you, multiple other things. Not only you, but your hand, your elbow, your, your, your shoulder, your knees, your foot. I'm picking up all of this so I can anticipate that. That you can get from sparring, but you don't have to hit each other to do that. Why? Because you're not practicing the technique, the technique you can practice. What you're practicing is getting in the position where you can do the technique. Because if I'm in the right position, anybody who's taken judo or anything like that, it's position before submission. Why? Because if I don't have the right position, I can tug on your arm all you want, and all you got to do is go like this, okay? If your hips are here, Instead of here, you're not pulling my arm, okay, into an arm bar. What has to happen? Position, position. Your hips, your crotch has to be below the elbow or above the elbow if you're hanging it down. Here, now I can extend. But if your crotch is here, you can pull on me all you want and nothing's going to happen because you're not in the right position. Uh, jump, uh, jump shot. Uh, shooting, baseball, returning serve, serve, volleying, everything is the same. It's getting into the position where you don't need a whole lot of power, you don't need a whole lot of speed, and you certainly don't need a whole lot of strength. Because if you're in the right position, boom, everything is there. You can practice positioning without touching anybody. Without touching anybody. Because if I'm in position, I, I don't have to throw the hand. I know, I know it was there. If I'm moving and I get you juking and I get you, uh, I know I had you. I can bum rush you. I can hit you with a jab. I can hit you with a right. I can take you down. I can throw a kick. If I see that I've, I've got you in a misstep. And that can be done just moving around. I've never seen it done. Never seen it done. Never seen it trained. And I'm not going to see it trained because MMA coaches are into beating the shit for the most part out of their, uh, out of their people. Not all of them, but most of them. Most of them. Okay? So... I don't like sparring because it lacks, believe it or not, specificity. And if you're going to be specific to combat, you're not going to last because you just keep, can't keep having fights and fights and fights and fights where you have 60 fights, 50 fights to get ready for one. You just can't keep that up. So if you're really talking about specificity, your body's going to fail you. It has to fail you. The body's not made for that. So otherwise, sparring is not even specific to what you're doing. That's, that's how crazy that shit is. All right? So... Uh, and here you go. Same thing. You can't practice the good shit. The shit that ends fights. The shit that will, will make you money, you can't practice. Because you can't be on top of somebody flatten out and start banging elbows to the side of their head like, like uh, Gregory did against Tio uh, Tillin. All right? B smashing elbows. You can't put underhooks, all right, wrist control, and then bring somebody in with a back step and boom, meet them with an elbow and slash the shit out of their face. You can't do that in practice. So you can't even practice the good shit. 
Okay, you can't practice devastating fibula, fibula kicks right above the ankle. Forget that knee shit, man. Yeah, the peroneal nerve is there. You know what? You'll catch it in the calf too. But those solid friggin' bam right above the ankle, they're hard to check. They're impossible to catch. All right? And with, with judo, with judo movement, with judo shuffles, you can get somebody to be on a single foot. You can get somebody in transition and you can kick the shit out of them for free. And they can't stop it because you know how it is. If you get them pacing, if you get them moving and you do a counter step, then if you both are doing this and you do a counter step, this is what happens. Uh, and this is where you got to attack. Rah, see, it's there. Got it? So this is what you read when you're bouncing up and down. You're reading this. And then the juke is this. Huh. And then that gets you here. When you get that here and it's boom. Yeah, here I go. Boom. And there it is. It's not like you can go, okay, let me time it. No, 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 no. This is not like skipping rope. Let me see when I'm coming in. No, no, no. It's here, here, juke, go. That's it. When the person's elevating, you're, you're, going, you're going in. And you catch them either on a single leg, deloaded, or in midair. Done. You can practice that in front of somebody for free. You can't throw devastating elbows, and you can't throw devastating kicks, and you can't do the good shit that ends fights. You can't do that in practice. So question, what are you practicing for? You're practicing so it becomes natural. So how can something that you can't practice become natural? Ah, you know where it becomes natural? In here, because I know they're not practicing it. Since I know they're not practicing, I make them practice here, attached to something. So my strength training now is becoming wrestling training, is becoming devastating MMA training, devastating shit. Smash them, and I coach it up like a motherfucker. Okay, I get Mark, I get Gregory, you're not here, you're not here, you're in the ring, you're in the ring, and when you're, when you got an underhook or you have a wizard and you step back after wrist control, you got to bring him right into the elbow, bring him into the elbow, and I mean, I get jacked up to the point where I can see their eyes change a little bit and they start sweating profusely, and I know that I'm getting their mind into practice, so hopefully we can add thousands of reps here. All right, that hopefully transfer into the ring. So that's another reason I don't like sparring. You can't practice the good shit. Oh, all right. So I, the last one is we can do most of that to the strength training. So that's one of the reasons that our strength training is becoming very well known. And when we touch somebody, we can touch them for two or three weeks and, and it changes. And we're trying to transform a person inside. Okay, for those reasons, number one, we don't want them to take the damage. Number two, we want to practice specific things that they don't practice over there, okay, because you can't. You can't practice techniques that somebody doesn't let you launch. So how are you going to practice that shit, okay? They don't, they, they, live goes are not that famous. We used to do them in judo all the time. They're not, they're not that famous in MMA. They're just not, okay? And, of course, we can do a lot of that here, and we can attach and get creative uh, with, with movements here. So that's one of those reasons. That's five reasons why I don't like hard sparring. I don't like a whole lot of sparring. I think three rounds a week, maybe six rounds for two or three weeks. A week, three and three, all right? Uh, with the right person, okay? Positioning. You don't, need, you, don't, you don't need to hit people hard, especially hard. You don't need to. I know you don't. And we know we don't. 
We know we don't. How many champions have been crowned and after the interview, they, they, they openly say, you know what, I didn't want to tell anybody, but I was injured and I haven't sparred for six weeks, for four weeks, for eight weeks. How many? How many will it take for us to go, huh, maybe you don't need to spar. How many uh, um, Holloways are going to have to say, save your chickens, I don't spar. Tony Ferguson, I don't spar. Yeah, not all, not all of them are winning. But all of them are competing at the top 10 level. How many, how many of those is it going to take for somebody to go, well, maybe we don't need to spar. Certainly not as much as we're, we, we are. Not twice a week for eight rounds. And, and it's not only those MMA sparring. What about the live wrestling that you do on Monday? What about the striking that you do on Wednesday? What about that shit? Okay. Then add your jujitsu and add your mid work and add your strength and conditioning and all that. And you're training 14, 15 times a week. That's asinine. No other sport does that. Well, you can say no other sport has the demand. Fair enough. Fair enough. But you, but you, you, you got to cut it down. You got to cut it down. So even if you do one day of sparring, which is all you should be doing if you're not in a camp, okay? Three rounds of sparring. That's it. Sparring. Moving with somebody else is totally different. If you're not touching anybody, you can move 10 rounds. And that'll get you beautiful positioning. Beautiful position. Okay? Uh, so if you go one sparring... Two MMA grappling, MMA grappling, not wrestling, not jujitsu, MMA grappling. Two MMA striking, okay? All right? Three strength and conditioning. What else we got? What else we got? We got eight training sessions a week. A week, okay? In, you know, six weeks out, five weeks out, you do a couple of weeks of two days uh, sparring. Add another one, bang. You're looking at nine training sessions a week. No more than that. No more than that. That's two a days and one on Saturday. Right? No, not even. Not even. That, I'm sorry, that's 11. So it's not even two a days Monday through Friday. So you got a bunch of days once a week. One, I mean, a, a bunch of days where you're training one a day. So, yeah. So it, it, it's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's, that would be my ideal week. And every chance I get with these fighters, I'm trying to bring them down to, to that schedule. All right, now we are at your section, the We Listen section. Uh, actually, one of the questions we, we, uh, we started with, what did I do for Thanksgiving? I already gave you that answer at the beginning. And uh, now we're on to the next one. Oh, shit. Rio feeds me these because he's the one that, that coordinates with you guys. What do you think about the Ian Gary shit? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, look. I don't like the whole social media bullshit, okay? The, um, the Paul Logan and uh, what was his name? Uh, Jake Paul? No. Uh, oh, uh, Dustin. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't like this bullshit. Dylan Dennis. Dylan Dennis, you know? Fuck, man. When, when you can earn millions of dollars because you talk shit, insult people, bring mothers and girlfriends and children and grandmothers into this shit... You know what I equate that to? I equate that to what we talked about one time. That's, that's a non-starter for me, you know? You, you're not allowed to go into anybody's house, anybody's town, anybody's state, anybody's country, and go in and massacre innocent people for, because you have a beef against someone. That's not fucking allowed. You don't massacre the innocent. It's just that simple. You don't take them hostage. You don't fuck with them. You got problems with somebody, problems with somebody, 
bomb their goddamn uh, factories, bomb their naval forces, bomb their government buildings, do war shit. If you got a problem with somebody, do problem shit. Solve the problem shit. Leech havoc on them in a military style or in, or in, or enhance. If I have problems with you, okay, you and I are going to go somewhere in the car, behind the car, in an alley, and we're going to get down. And I may not come out of that one very well. And then at that point in time, I'm going, all right, you win. You beat the shit out of me. You win. That's it. But what do I, what am I going to do? Okay. If I'm really pissed off because you beat the shit out of me and the thing ain't over. Okay. I may go home. Okay. Grab a gun, find you and shoot you. Those are all not right, but viable things that can happen. And everybody goes, okay, I see why it happens. But if you have a problem with me or I have a problem with you, when you're at work, I'm not going into your house and raping your wife and, and killing your children and burn your dog. That's just bullshit. That's just animal shit. I don't have, I don't have the right to claim a human right available to any human because I'm not human. All right. So see that? Well, I draw that same thing in the social media world. If I have a problem with you and I want to promote a fight, man, let it be between you and I. Between you, I'm not bringing your wife in here. I don't give a shit if she cheated on you, if she sucked a lawn caregiver's beaner. I don't give a shit. I don't care what she did. She could be a porno star for all I give a shit. My problem is with you. My fight is with you, and it's you and me in the ring. Now, if you and I want to go at it in a park, where if I see you in a bar and you and I want to go at it and, and promote the fight that way and, and do that kind of shit, or we genuinely have a beef, I get it. I get it. Maybe like Masvidal had with uh, with uh, Colby. I get it. I have a beef with you. Hey, he's here. Okay, I'm going with my boys and maybe alone and boom, I get you from behind. Pow! I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying I would do it. I'm just saying I get it. That's the way men do shit. Okay, whether it's coming from behind unannounced or something, men are not men. Well, you can have the, you, we can have that debate. Okay? But I get it. I get it. Ian's fuck what his wife was married to somebody else now who gives a shit who gives a shit I don't care I watch UFC and I watch Ian to watch UFC so so now what now we're gonna get into this bullshit mm -mm. that that's just the way I was raised and the men that I was brought up if you have a if we have a beef we're taking care of you and I and the beef your family has nothing to do with it nothing to do with it even even in old Italian times. It was, it, as they say, it's not personal. It's just business. The family was was hands off. And the old Italian hits never, never was a family involved. Women and children. That was just the code. The code. No, no, we're going to get you. I'm going to shoot you 30 times. But not, we're not we're not touching your, whim, your women and we're not touching your children. That was code, man. Fuck, even in jail you have code. You know, no child molesters. They catch you. They're gonna fucking kill you, if you if you uh, raped women. If you were if you were below below savage man level, they'll kill you in jail. So even amongst criminals, there's a code. Okay, don't know if I would run by it, but there's a code. Okay, so I don't know, man. I I, I hate all that shit. So if, if, as far as I'm concerned, it's part of the rot of of society. It's part of the rot of society, and of course, it's being covered by everybody from Jesse on fire to probably shale and and who else who, who who knows by now everybody's covering it man I don't want to fucking cover that shit it's bullshit so that's what I think about it oh she you yeah real sent this to me last night
and I did a little research, and let me see if the attorney got back to it. Uh-oh. Here we go. Hold on. I'm going to read it to you because I don't fuck around, okay? I don't fuck around. I get it. All right. Okay, so if you had a trans person in IHP and wanted to use the restroom of the opposite sex, would you allow him to do so? Okay, so let's say I had a man that came in with makeup, uh, flap, flats or wedges or whatever, and a big-ass dress, and he wants to go into the woman's room. Would I allow that? You know what? IHP is such a cool place that the energy, the energy just doesn't attract any drama like that. You know, we, we have Democrats, we have Libertarians, we have uh, Republicans, we have hard Republicans, hard Democrats, uh, middle-of-the-road people, we have independents, every kind of ethnicity and race you can imagine. We can all talk about anything we want. And at the end, we hug and laugh and we work next to each other. That's the kind of place IHP is. That's the kind of house I have. I have my very strong opinions, and in my home... I act a certain way. In IHP, I act a certain way, and I want my people to act a certain way. With respect, you know, with dignity, always working towards something, understanding that challenges are the crosses you have to bear. The heavier the cross, the bigger the lesson. The bigger the lesson, the more wisdom. So don't be afraid of big challenges. They're not, un they're, they're not comfortable, you know, but anyways, carry that goddamn cross. When you get over there, you're going to be a better person for it. So I asked an attorney, my, the answer right off the bat would be no. I'm, especially if there's women there. I'm not going to let a dude go into my women's locker, swing out his fucking snake in front of my women. I ain't doing that shit. Sorry, I'm not doing that shit. This ain't the place. I'm not the guy. So I asked the attorney, what would you think? <laughs> All right, so I said, I asked him. And there's, um, we're in Florida, and DeSantis passed a law that clearly, clearly delineates what happens in a publicly owned facility. Tallahassee, Florida, Florida Safety in Private Spaces Act will take uh, effect July 1st. Already took effect. The new law, HB 1521, makes it a crime for someone to use restrooms or locker rooms that don't align with their sex at birth. Basically, they're defining a woman as a person that can produce eggs and give birth and a man uh, produce sperm, okay? So, I understand that people may be sick and they can't produce sperm. There's, look, if you've got a schlong, you're a man. God damn it. If you have a hole, you're a woman. I don't give a shit if a baby can come out of it or not, okay? Natural, at birth. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, you know, operate here, take out this fucking muscle and create a schlongy for you. No, 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 no. What were you born with? Okay, a natural hole, you are a woman. A natural penis, you're a man. Whether you can have birth or not, give this, that shit, I don't give a fuck. All right? So, it applies to publicly owned facilities in educational buildings, government buildings, correctional facilities, and all school changing facilities. So, we don't fuck around here in Florida. The Governor DeSantis already said the same thing I said. If you're born like that, you're over here. If you're born like this, you're over there. Boom. And if you think that because you identify or you're fucking demented and you think you're something that you're not and you can go over there, you will be arrested. So that's the law. Okay. So here's the attorney. Federal law supersedes state law. DeSantis 
was careful to craft the Florida law to be limited to state facilities as he does not have the authority to criminalize conduct, which is the domain of the federal government. My opinion is that DeSantis is looking to challenge recent legislation affirming anti-discrimination laws aimed at protecting LGBTQ. Unclear how it would be enforced or even what liability could be posed towards a privately owned space like mine that limits bathroom to individuals based on their sex and uh, designation at birth. I perceive, I perceive it as his way of bringing the issue before the Supreme Court. Okay? And I'm going to tell him. I just read your interpretation to my audience. Boom. My brother, Steve. Anywho, that's my opinion. And uh, by, by, what, by what's here, uh, you know what? It won't be the first time, okay, that you're right or that you didn't do anything wrong or that you have the right to do something and somebody sues you for it. Anybody can sue you for anything. And any attorney, any attorney will take one of these LGBTQ cases, MLB cases, you know, Black Lives Matter, whatever, any minority case, because they know it's their time in the sun, that they can get publicity that's good for the firm, and they'll do that pro bono. And then it'll take me $50,000 to prove that I did nothing wrong and it's my right, if, if that's what is proven. But you know what? At some point, you gotta, you got to stand for something, okay? You got to stand for something. You got to be willing to, to bite the bullet if that's the case. I don't want that to happen. I don't want anybody in here feeling bad. Okay, because I, I, didn't, I didn't go through everything I went through for 22 years of having IHP and being this place, being the, the sanctuary of all the staff. Okay, the sanctuary of thousands of people that have won through those doors. Okay, thousands of people that, have, that are better because they went through IHP. All right. I didn't go through all that shit to create IHP, okay, to, to let somebody walk over me. I hope it doesn't happen. I don't want anybody in here feeling uncomfortable. But where I draw the line is when, when insanity comes in here. I don't, I don't want insanity in here. And if you think you're a fucking cat, you're not going to force me to put a kitty litter here out here for you so you can play around in the sand and piss and shit all over yourself. No. Because you're a cat. No, no, it's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. If you're a man and you think you're a woman, you know, uh, you would be better off somewhere else because you're just not going to fit in here. Okay. Now, I respect everybody and I have compassion with everybody. I don't want anybody to hurt. I don't want anybody to feel bad. I don't think anybody should be discriminated in terms of, um, in, in terms of gender. If, if you're gay, you should be gay. And, and nobody should be beating you up and talking shit about you, making you feel less. Be gay. But you can't force me, force me to support that lifestyle for me, in my place of work, and in my family if I don't believe in it. You can't force me to do that shit. And you can't legislate morality. So, it's not going to happen. To answer your question, I would not let him in. Okay? And I may have a, a conversation, very nice conversation with him. Listen, you know, I want you to be comfortable. I'm not so sure this is the facility where, where you will be comfortable because we would really, really, really uh, not look kindly upon these actions, okay, which may be required, all right, to make you happy, all right? Uh, this is not the place that, that's going to do that. So, you know, I would think twice, you know, before, before coming in here as a member. I would have that conversation. 
That's a legitimate conversation, very compassionate, very respectful. And if the person wants to sue me, then you know it's not about their rights. You know, it's about making a point, making me a prisoner to their thought pattern, to their lifestyle, and I will not do that. I will go down and burn this fucking place before that happens. Okay? All right. Now, my better half is coming, Rio, with all the recap and his own take on things. We will see you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Santana Podcast. Well, like JC always does, he says what's on his mind and his heart, okay? No filters necessary. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. We always enjoy when you guys tune in. Give us feedback, okay? Like, comment, share, DM me, text me, call me. Whatever you got to do, we're going to bring another episode number six next week. And then after that, we will getting, we will be getting into the predictions for UFC Leon versus Colby. I can't wait to hear the trash talk that Colby's going to bring. And you know how it is. Leon is not out until that last bell rings. So that fight night or that fight pay-per-view is going to be off the hook we will be developing and we'll be going over the full card getting closer to the event this upcoming week we got the steelers versus the cardinals that needs to be a huge win for us putting two dubs back to back and then i think after that we got the patriots then after that we got the colts and then we're bringing it back we got Bengals again seattle and the big one that everybody tunes in for baltimore okay my prediction for the super bowl right now is probably gonna be the 49ers and Baltimore, or the Chiefs and Baltimore. But if we can make an end to that, that would be even better. Sweet. All right, guys, have a great week coming up. Again, next week will be episode number six. And hopefully before the end of the year, we could bring our first guest on, maybe one of our fighters, maybe one of our um, influencers that we have in here. There's some people I'm talking with right now, but for the first couple ones, I want to make sure everything runs smooth, make sure dad's happy, I'm good, you guys are happy, getting the content that you guys want. And again, any recommendations, any feedback, anything is always greatly appreciated. So please always reach out to us, whether it's publicly or privately, and we are all open ears. We love you guys. See you next week.